For the rest of us, we're going to continue in worship by studying God's Word. Um, I'm going to ask you to pray. We always enter into Scripture with prayer, and we're going to jump right into it this morning. So uh, please join me in prayer. Father God, this morning as we've come here, uh, your people have borne testimony to your good grace, uh, to the work that you do in their lives, and uh, we thank you for that. We thank you for a chance to be part of it, and Father, for some of us maybe who, uh, who don't, don't know what would motivate that, that don't understand what would drive someone to do things like this, I pray that you would uh, remove our heart of stone and give us a new heart that can see your kingdom. In this time, we ask that your Holy Spirit would richly dwell with us, that we could not only read the words on the page, not only hear the words proclaimed, but that we could adopt them, that we could own them, that they could own us and define who we are to be. You are an awesome God. We are grateful for your presence, and we trust you fully with this time. We pray by your grace and mercy you would instruct us in your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, uh, we're going to, um, and I know we're, we're, uh, it's been a long service, we're going we're gonna to be good to go, but we're going to jump into a real brief study. The next three weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, um, one chapter of one book of the Bible, I don't know how familiar you are with the Bible, but the Bible has 66 individual books in it, right? Old Testament and New Testament is how it's divided, and, and there's four books in the New Testament called Gospels. Uh, I was talking with someone, and, and they made a comment to me. It was a funny comment. It was just kind of offhanded, and they said, well, you know, everyone knows John 3.16, right? And that got me to thinking, does everyone know John 3.16? It's kind of a funny thing, because it was said to me as a pastor, like, you don't need to teach on John 3.16, because everyone knows John 3.16, right? I'm not going to teach on John 3.16, by the way, exactly. I'm not going to teach specifically. But who knows John 3.16? Do any of you know it? I mean, you see it, if you're a baseball fan, you'll see people standing in the stands holding it up, John 3.16. Matter of fact, if you're a wrestling fan, there's a dude who has, like, uh, his name 3.16, right? I don't, I don't know who the dude is, but he wears it on his chest, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of become this icon, this thing, this freestanding element. And as a matter of fact, you've probably heard the words. If you don't know it this morning, if you would say, well, I don't know John 3.16, and if I said to you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, you'd be like, oh, I know that verse. That's 3.16? I didn't know that. That's what that was, but I know that verse. A lot of people know John 3.16, but today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to journey with me um, for the next three weeks to look at the third chapter of the book of John. I'm going to tell you right up front that this book, with this one passage that we also dismissively say, oh, we know that verse has some of the hardest teaching from Jesus in it. For me, it's some of the hardest realities that we face when we come and approach God and His holiness. And so we're going to be looking at that. If you brought a Bible with you, you probably know where John 3 is. If you did not, grab one of ours. It's going to be on page 737. If you use one of our Bibles, grab one. Please use it. Uh, we want you to be looking at the Word. By the way, I will say this as the pastor of Family Bible Church. Don't take my word for it. If I say something, look it up. Pray about that. Discern it. You know, di dialogue about it. I don't, I don't speak infallibly. But I know the God who does. And so I would invite you to study with me John 3 today. I want to mention one other thing. And then after these three weeks are over, we're going to start our fall family group curriculum, including our Sunday morning stuff. And uh, we don't have it all completely finalized yet. But I want, to, I want to invite you now at this time to begin to pray for those who don't know Christ. 
you know? Pray for those who need to know God more. And, and, and just be, have eyes to see those around you who need to hear the gospel. We're going to be challenging you to understand your faith. There is a lot of criticism in the world of faith right? And, and some of it's justified. And so what we're going to do in the fall is we're going to walk through th just thinking about the realities of God. We live in a culture that dismisses God out of hand as if he's that easy to get rid of. And the reality is that there's so much more profound truth. So be praying for those, that for three weeks out as well. But in the meantime, we're going to study John 3. Read the word with me, if you would, this morning. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply to this, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter into a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus says, how can this be? And Jesus answers, you are Israel's teacher, and yet you do not understand these things. This, this word that's used here in, in uh, the, the third and I believe the seventh verse is being born again. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks, what this means. I don't know if you, depends on who you hang out with, but for some people, this is like a, uh, a pejorative, right? It's a, it's a negative word. You can, you can spit it at people. You're one of those born-again types, right? But I want to tell you something that I think is so profound that it ought to cause us pause as followers of Jesus, that here in this, in this encounter with Nicodemus, Jesus says something so profound that it ought to cause us to stop in our tracks and examine what we believe we know. You see, Jesus says you have to be born again. Our culture is turning into something else, and maybe some churches, but Jesus is the one that said these words. I'm going to give you a little context on this John 3.16 and where it's found. You see, it's part of the gospel of John. John considered himself the beloved disciple. I love that about John. He's the one that got to recline in Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. But in the beginning of the book of John, the gospel of John, the good news, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It's interesting, you see, because Jesus came to earth, and John knew it. I mean, he knew he was different If you look, just kind of looking back, there's a story here after Jesus comes, and it says that he calls his disciples. And Jesus says something very simple to disciples. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? That's one of the things. It says the first checkbox in our card. It says become a follower of Jesus. You want to be a follower? You know what happens? Jesus says, follow me. Two words, follow me. Right now, the invitation to Family Battle Church, if you want to become a follower of Jesus, follow him. That's what we do. We follow him. Simple words. After this, 
Jesus inviting people to come and journey with him, he returns to Galilee first. And here in Galilee, he has this, he's invited to a wedding. He's hanging out there now with the disciples, and he's invited to a wedding. And you know the story because there's a miracle he does at the wedding. He, he turns water into wine at this wedding. This is a good guy to follow, isn't it? But the next thing that Jesus does, the very next thing that happens in the Gospel of John, is he heads to Jerusalem for Passover. Passover is the high, holy holiday of the Jews. He comes to the pinnacle, the epitome, the place that you go to worship. He went to church, you know what I mean? He went went to the church like he went to the holy land he went to the place you go to worship God and when he got there he was so upset by what he saw in the people of God that he actually like flipped over tables he let birds go he drove people out of the church with a whip I mean he was aggravated in Jerusalem and he said my father's house is to be a house of prayer this is the Jesus. This is the Jesus that we find in John 3. You see these words that we, well, I know John 3.16. The Jesus that we, we find in John 3 is a radical believer. He's a radical teacher. And he is serious about the things of God. And Jesus, this one who did the miracle at the wedding, and he was invited. I love that. They invited him to the wedding. He's the kind of guy you would want to come to your wedding. He says these words, you must be born again. You must be born again. We don't like these words because it sounds exclusive, like, you know, you're part of a club. But God, Jesus, God in the flesh, spoke these words. I, I want you to see with me, if you would, at the beginning at the, uh, in the third chapter here, who's asking the question and the question, the way it comes and Jesus' answer, because we can dismiss this. It's such an interesting dialogue. There was this man named uh, Nicodemus of the Pharisees. Remember the Jewish ruling council? We're going to get that in a minute. But he came to Jesus, and this is his question. We know you are a teacher who's come from God. That don't sound like a question, does it? It sounds like a statement. Nicodemus is coming, and he's like going like, to start with a suck-up answer. He's like, we know you're of God. And that's the question that Jesus answers. When Nicodemus says, we know, we all know you're of God, Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom unless he's born again. What, what's happening here? Who, who is Nicodemus? He, he's the guy that ought to be in Jerusalem on Passover. He, he's the guy that people, the people would stand in the back. They, they, he was the guy in the front of the room, closest to God. He was the guy that if you were going to be a religious person, if you were going to take some, some pride in what you believe and how serious you were about it, you would say, man, I, I'm with Nicodemus. We are, we are one. And this simple says, statement that where Nicodemus says, I can, I can see you're from God. And Jesus says, what? You can see nothing unless you've been born again. This is a radical truth that Jesus teaches, and I want to share with you, un, untarnished, using Nicodemus as our model, what this means as followers of God. This is not an optional thing, being born again. This is not one of many religions that you can choose to follow if it fits with what you think is right. 
This is God incarnate saying, you can see nothing of my kingdom if you are not born again. And this is one of the hardest things to proclaim to those who don't yet know Christ because you know it happened to you and yet you cannot give it. You cannot give it to someone else. Do you feel that? I would love to give it to people. I would love to say, but it's not mine to give. Those born again, you receive this gift. I want to show you some things that Jesus says. And the first is this about being born again. He says, no one can see the kingdom without it. It's in verse 3. In reply to Nicodemus's inquiry, listen, he didn't even ask a question. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. The word can be born anew or born from above. He's saying that only the, the, the people who know God's business are people that God has shown it to. You must be born again. But let's go beyond that a little bit. This is what he says. Not only does he say no one can see God's kingdom, right? But he says religion won't get you there. I mean, I want you to see that here's Nicodemus and he's in Jerusalem and he's the holy guy, man. Like he's got the pointy hats and I don't know what they had then. I'm not picking on pointy hats if you like pointy hats. He had the heavy, I always thought it'd be cool to have one of those, um, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes certain religions or certain um, uh, you know, practice, you wear like these kind of scratchy underclothes to remind you of your state, you know. There's something about that that's kind of appealing. There's something that's kind of, maybe it's, you know, because I was raised, or something appealing about that. There's the, you know, smoke, the vestments, you know. The, Nicodemus, he would have had all those things. As a matter of fact, when you're Jesus and you're teaching truth in the temple and Nicodemus comes and he affirms that you're from God, it would have been, Nicodemus expected Jesus to be like, oh, thanks, so what's your question? Because it was a compliment, supposedly. And when Jesus tells Nicodemus, you couldn't know if I was from God. Because your religion isn't working for you. And I got news for you, church. Your religion won't do it either. If you're coming every Sunday or if you're going somewhere else every Sunday and you're, and you're in these trappings of faith and you think that you're, you're, you're making it, it's not enough for the kingdom of God. Jesus says, no way can you see this, Nicodemus. And it's true for us too. The second thing he says is, not only will your religion not do it, but your holiness ain't going to do it. Some people look at the Bible, and what they see? A book of rules. We're going to follow all the rules, and then we'll be holy. That's what Nicodemus was doing. He kept the laws. He had his holiness. I mean, and I'm not making fun of Nicodemus' holiness. As a matter of fact, Jesus, talking about the Pharisees, said your righteousness must surpass the Pharisees. That means if you see Nicodemus walk in and he really is being holy, I'm not just saying he's wearing the clothes. I'm not saying he's a, he's a scamming. I'm saying he's doing everything. He's up 
4.30 in the morning for his first prayer. You know, he's fasting. He's, he's, he's praying five times a day. He's giving money, alms to the poor. Like, he's forsaken all material possessions. Like, he's really doing it. You go and look in Nicodemus' inside life, and you go, man, this guy is holy and pure. And Jesus says, you can't see the kingdom of God with your holiness. See, this gets me, because then I start thinking, oh, oh, you know, you start to feel desperate. Do you start to feel that? Nicodemus, what's he got to be thinking? I've given up everything, right? I'm following God. Who, who, why would you tell me this about myself? I have to be born again. Not only is his religion not going to cut it, and neither will ours. Not only is his holiness not going to cut it, and neither will ours, but this Third thing is that his authority won't cut it either. Now, this is interesting because if you read the very first verse, it says this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. This guy had authority. You understand? I mean, later on when Paul is taken in chains before the Jewish ruling councils, it's a Sanhedrin, and, and there's the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and these two groups of, of holy, faithful, religious people supposedly have authority over the things of God. And so Nicodemus comes, and he says, you know, I know that you're sent from God. And Jesus says, you, don't, you haven't seen anything yet because you haven't been born again. His own authority? I mean, what, again, can you imagine what Nicodemus could have thought? For the next three weeks, we're going to kind of look at what Nicodemus really does here. It's interesting the way he shows up in the Bible. But Nicodemus could have been like, I rule with the Jewish council, man. Like, I got, I got, I, I, I got made, I'm a decision maker. I'm an influencer. I got authority. And Jesus says this you still will not see the kingdom of God. You won't. You can't. You can't get there from here. Your authority is not working. And we do that too, right? I mean, I'm just talking about church life. Here we go, church, right? Like we get into positions and we're like, hey, I'm making decisions. I'm serving God. I'm doing good stuff. Look at how cool I am and all this stuff. And I got news for you. I mean, I praise God for the church and the work it's doing. But if you haven't been born again, you can't even see what's really happening in the world. You can't even see what's going on around you. And neither can I. Man, we're sitting there with Nicodemus, and we're like, what? And then as if that isn't enough. So, okay, let's just say hypothetically, hypothetically for a minute, let's say that Nicodemus, you know, Jesus didn't really mean it literally. Like, he was just saying, like, something, that code words Nicodemus would understand. Listen to what Nicodemus says. He says, really, how should I get back into my mother and be born again? I mean, that should give you an idea how literally Nicodemus took Jesus. He meant born again. And Nicodemus is like, how can I do this? You know? I told you that dude was religious. <laughs> you got to be to even ask that question. And I'd be like, no, thanks, man. I'm good. Once was enough. Here he goes. He's like, how we be? And look at what Jesus says after in verse 7. You should not be surprised then at my saying, 
You must be born again. If you're reading NIV, like I'm reading NIV, there's a little letter next to the U on that. I would encourage you, if you see a little letter next to the word in your Bible, look down your notes and see what that says, you know. If you have a, mine's a pretty straight line NIV, like there's not a whole lot of study stuff in here. And what mine says is that's plural. <laughs> so here's what Jesus does. Jesus says, you have to be born again, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says, how can I be born again? And Jesus says, oh, wait, you all have to be born again. He says, everyone has to be born again. And this is where we sit with Jesus today. All of you have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. Man, you know, and, and I was just thinking about that, like, so Nicodemus was thinking literally a new birth, and Jesus wasn't pulling back from that at all. And a matter of fact, he doubles down. He says, man, you all got to be born again, right? And uh, I, 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 I want you to just for a moment, I just want you for a moment to go with me and think about the spiritual realities for our, the, from the physical realizations we have about birth, okay? Because who has been born Come on, that's all of you, right? Like, raise your hand. Who's been born today? If you were hatched from an egg or something, that might count too. So, you know, everyone's been born once, right? I, we've had just a, in the Scoggins family, we've had new birth, and in the Elke family, new birth. And man, I tell you what, new birth is so exciting, isn't it? Like, do you love babies? Like, I love babies, man. Like, by the way, nursery, if you ever want to work nursery, I think I got outnumbered there. But, you know, they're cute. I mean, and they're but, you know, when you have that, I want to talk for a minute, that new birth, like that first thing, what happens when you're born? Like, what happens when you're born? I, you know, I don't remember. But can you just, you know, we know because we're on the outside going, this is going to be crazy experience for that little dude in there, right? I mean, he's there like, what do do, pop, boop, You know, and all of a sudden, like, some pressure starts coming. And he's like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, it's like, boom, his whole world comes apart. And everything he's known, his whole existence, this little place of peace and, you know, healing and love he's found, he's being nursed, just gets sucked away. And then he's shoved out, is she, through this little thing. And he's come out. And you think, I got to, by the way, fathers, can I say something? You think you're weirded out? Imagine that dude coming out. <laughs> Like, you're sitting there going, I'm going to throw up. He's going, what's happening? You know what I mean? I think God just hides all that from us because we, we would be never, we'd never even, we'd just suck our thumb our whole life, I think, you know. So you come out, and for the first time, and I'm telling you what, man, I love new birth. I love it. For the first time, you come out there, and there's that whole thing that happens. And by the way, dads, go in the room. I know you guys do. I'm so proud of you. So you go in there, and that doctor takes that baby, and he, you know, and all of a sudden, that doctor, Wah! You know what I mean? And you're just, you start crying. You're like, man, my whole world just came apart. Nothing makes sense anymore, you know? And the baby's just sitting there like, I'm mad. I want to go back. You know what I mean? That's birth. <laughs> right? That's birth. And with Jesus looking at Nicodemus in the eyes, he's saying, you have to be born again, Nicodemus. I mean, this is going to be a whole new reality. It, it gives you an idea that if we were to say to someone who was still carrying their baby in their stomach, oh, is he walking yet? How many words is he saying? What's she doing? You know, it would be like, what are you talking about? She's not even born yet. And Jesus says the same thing is true for you and I spiritually. If we're asking questions about spiritual matters and God hasn't given us birth yet, don't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all.
And here, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about when he says you have to be born again. I want to talk to you then a little bit about the new birth that we have in Jesus. And I want, I, I want you to just walk with me for these next few weeks. But this is going to be about our new birth and the reality we have. We find it right here in John 3, right before this verse that we all know so well in John 3.16. The first thing is this, that our new birth is God's decision. God decides to give us birth. You see right here, it says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised when I'm saying you all must be born again. Now, here's what Jesus says in verse 8. The wind blows wherever it pleases. The wind just blows. And Jesus here is going to use spirit, this pneuma, the third part of the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, as this realization of the movement of God in your life. And he says, God decides. The Spirit moves, and you're born. You should not be surprised when I'm saying that, because the wind blows wherever it pleases. The word here is pleases, but it can also mean wants or wishes. I got news, and this is such good news, right? Because if you've been born again, and you've had that, you know, like you had that moment where it's just like God acted. You didn't decide. It wasn't like an emotional experience. It wasn't this whole thing. You just, God just moved in your life and gave you new life. That was his decision. And we just, that's where you live this life of thanks. Like, Wow. You see things happening in God's kingdom, and you get all crazy, choked up. You don't even understand why, because you see it. God's showing it to you. He's giving you new life. The second thing is, not only is it God's decision. See, this is hard, though, right? Because you and I want to say, well, I can decide when I'm born again. I got, you had nothing to say over when you're born again. And neither did I. Like, I had nothing to say about it. God decided. The second thing, though, is it's for God's pleasure. This is good news. It says that the wind blows wherever it pleases, and the same is true for new birth. You think, dads, in that moment, in that room, when you go from the most helpless state of your life to seeing that child come, you think that you're pleased and proud? Whew. The Word of God that we say is a book of rules says that angels have a party in heaven when there's new birth on earth. Whenever someone is born again, it says the angels start singing a song. They're all excited. God the Father is pleased with it. Not only did he decide for it to happen, but he's like, yeah, I did that. I mean, it's God's glory, not ours. It's for his blessing, not ours. It's for his name, not ours. Man, that's good news. And we can just love that we have this Father that delights. He delights in our new birth. I love that. The wind blows wherever it pleases. So it's for God's uh, decision. It's for God's pleasure. And then lastly, it's for God's purpose. Read with me in verse 8 again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it, right? So you can recognize it, but you don't know where it came from or where it is headed, right? I mean, this whole new birth thing is a movement of God in your life. 
And your job is not to try to like, you know, your job is to set the sail and just catch the wind and go. Like you're just on mission with God. Like that's our heart and prayer family Bible church, that you are on mission with God in your life and that you're just seeing him move. And you know what? Even we sit here, we have all our plans we're going to do. We don't know what God's doing because he moves wherever he wants, whenever he wants. And we just celebrate his work. Ah, so good. God's purpose in your life is where he, he moves through these things. And so, uh, so that's the reality of new birth. Now, here's the thing. If you're like me, I'm just out there, I think, man, you didn't give me nothing I can do. And you didn't give me nothing I can do. You know what? I got bad news. And nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. My desire today was to create in you an appetite for new birth. If you're sick of that life, man, if you're sick of the falsehood, if you're sick of the games, the pretending, the, the religiousness and all the stuff that goes with it, and if you're just like, just sit at God's feet. I mean, he said, follow me. And people are following him. They're sitting at his feet and they're listening to his word spoke over them. But here's the reality. There's nothing you do but wait. But the question that uh, I wanted to ask you today is an is a introspective question. Have you been born again? Right? I don't like that question because I know some people are like, you know, I've, I've been in church my whole life, and, I, and I'm telling you, I, Bill Dempsey, love these folks. I love them. And I'm like, and, but they're like, I don't know. Man, that's the question you've got to be asking. Have I been born again? And if you don't know that you've been born, one time I had this, I was sitting in a missions conference with this preacher, and they were preaching, they kept saying, if you don't know that you know, and know that you know that you know, and by the time they got like six, you know that you know, I'm like, I'm not sure I know anymore, you know. Uh, because it gets, uh, but that was good for me because I went back in my prayer closet and I said, God, what's going on? What are you doing in my life? Are you real? Are you here? Are you moving? I don't want the fake stuff anymore. I mean, Nicodemus started tearing off your religious clothes and saying, I'm, I'm yours. Do what you want with me. And God shows up and gives you new birth. It's not like an equation, but I'm just saying that's the heart. That's your, that's your innermost workings there. Because here's the thing. When Jesus says you all must be born again or you won't see the kingdom, he doesn't just mean the kingdom here, the work that's happening. He means all of it. It's all or nothing with God. And so I hope today that as uh, we've studied the word, you've got an appetite, you know? Like, I want you to be encouraged, but an appetite. What was God doing? Have you been born again? That's the question. Um, that I have for you this morning. I hope that you're hungry for more. And uh, I'm going to ask you to, uh, to pray with me, and then we're going to continue to worship. Father God, this morning, as we come into your word, the word that you inspired by your same breath, the same movement that we don't control, and the same way that when we read it, it pricks our heart and it wakes us up, Father God, for all the blessings and mercy that you have and the reality and this whole new experience that changes everything, Lord, as your children. I just give you praise and thanks, and I pray today that as we're seeking you, as we're, we're waiting upon you, Father, that in your way, in your time, uh, you would get, continue to give new birth, new life. We believe your word, that you are the only one that delivers it. We believe your word, and we long for it. We long for it uh, if we don't know it ourselves, and we long for it that those around us, Father, as well, help us um, to be part of uh, your kingdom expanding. You are so good, and we give you thanks and, and praise for everything, everything you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.